Welcome to Church Matters Podcast for STC Marlton. This is episode number 20, and I am Jason Reyes, Associate Pastor, and with me as always is Warren Betcher, our very own Senior Pastor. How are you doing today, Warren? Uh, good. So still um, a lot going on in, in the world and life, so it's uh, there's a lot to be thinking about and reflecting on. So Absolutely. It's a different time of life. <laughs> It very much is, isn't it? Um, last week's episode was titled A Time to Weep, uh, where we talked a bit about uh, racial injustice and the response of the Christian. And now one of the convictions last week that we talked about behind the podcast was that um, to be gospel centered is to really care about social justice issues such as racism. Um, even though you made this point, social justice is not the gospel, but is a fruit or an implication, if you will, of the gospel, correct? That's correct, yep. Okay, so this week we wanted to just peel this back just a little bit because we had quite a few listeners um, that expressed gratitude, you know, for mm-hmm. first steps, and, and we, we, uh, we said it uh, then, and we're going to say it again today, this is, this is not the end all, okay, uh, with regards to a podcast uh, on this topic, um, and it's certainly not complete in the conversation on this topic, it's just a beginning uh, for our church, but this week we want to follow up and bring it a little bit closer to home for our church family in particular. Right. Um, now, while it's never our intent to ever offend anyone, um, it is our priority as pastors that we are called to love this flock and to help each one of us think biblically about how we are to live in ways that honor and bring glory to God. Um, simply put, to glorify God, and I love this definition by J.F. Packer, he defines it as to put God on display. Mm-hmm. So we must, in order to put God on, on display, we can't, we can't move casually beyond the experience of the new birth. We can't assume that uh, mm-hmm. because the new birth fundamentally changes the core of who we are. Literally, as the Apostle Paul says, we become new creatures, as it says mm-hmm. in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. Now, this newness of life, this is what we're talking about. In response to this newness of life, it's demonstrated by the creation of a new humanity, if you will, that is controlled by a love for Christ, who died for us so that we, as Christians, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And that's 2 Corinthians 5, 15. So, so therefore, as a Christian, as someone who has received the new life through the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, we now have new ambitions, if you will, for living that are no longer fixated on ourselves, but sees all of life about living for God, our creator, our savior, our redeemer, our father. So mm-hmm. if we're not to live for ourselves, but we're called to live for him, give just a few examples, if you will, of ways that we can obey the great commandment. And maybe you can speak to what is the great commandment, because it's really, it's, it's two commandments, but it's one coin, one right. commandment. Right. So obviously the first of, of love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what that does, it restores us to our creator. Right. Uh, it restores us to that type of relationship where we see God and we see the beauty of God and the beauty of God just captures our heart. We live for it. We love it. We rejoice in it. We revel in it. Um, it's the center part of our lives. But as you said, it's 
the coin is it's one coin with two sides and that that is the first side that's the most important side right but out of right. that if we understand that we're made in the image of god and that god loves us through the gospel uh the natural conclusion then is that we will also love one another we will love our neighbor uh and particularly we will love the brethren uh so there is a special unique call that we have as christians to love one another uh, and you, you can see the theology behind it. Well, we're creating the image of God, and then also we are redeemed equally by God. We are loved equally by God. We have equal status before God. Um, he is for all of us the same way. And so that leads to us. If God loved our brother, well, we also ought to love our brother. Um, right, and right. Loving them becomes God, has to be practically worked out. It's not a Hallmark card. It's not a sentiment. It's lived very practically. Uh, and right. that's where you love the New Testament, right? All the letters are very practical because they had all sorts of divisions, divisions within churches. So somebody's following Paul, someone's following uh, Peter, someone's following right, Apollos, right. And, and there was divisions. Uh, right. We're going to see in James, there was division between sometimes we the wealthy and the poor, the privileged and the underprivileged. Right. Um, and so there was divisions that way. There were certainly divisions, Gentile and Jew, and right. they were thousands of years, represented thousands of years, really of, of prejudice, uh, probably of feelings of superiority um, and, and domination in different ways. So there were definitions, certainly even between uh, male and female, there could be differences. And, um, and so the, the gospel speaks into all those situations. Right, uh, right. Clearly. So in, in light of that, so we are to... As Christians, if, if I can even pull on that thread just a little bit more and make it more uh, specific, we are to lovingly speak out against injustice of any kind mm-hmm. that exists in the world, correct? Yeah, and not to um, just, you know, potshot our, we need to speak against all injustice. We can't just right. sort of pick the ones that uh, we like, uh, that we right. want to speak to, but it's really all injustice. And obviously what's in front of our uh, eyes right now is racial injustice, which is certainly, you know, an an unquestionable fact, I think, in our country uh, that there's been racial injustice. It's not the only injustice in the world, but it's the one that's certainly uh, we see right now. Right, right. And it it is one that we should give our attention to. Yes. uh, Because this is the, the world that we live in, you know, right now. Um, it does seem as though there is, uh, because this is affecting the world, um, mm-hmm. what took place last week with George Floyd, um, it does seem as though there is some difference, if you will, uh, in terms of the way people are processing and really mobilizing, you know, to, to go ahead and respond to racial injustice and inequality. And um, so last week we spoke upon uh, first steps of this uh, being um, for those, uh, an important first step for those who are white is really to understand um, that we are unable to truly empathize with our black brothers and sisters, uh, mm-hmm. but we can't sympathize with them. And, and the primary means to doing that you, you, you expressed and you even spoke about this past week in your message from James was that we listen well. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by listening? I, I think it means one that we don't assume that we understand nor that we can fully empathize. Mm-hmm. I, I've been on two calls this week um, where there's been uh, black men speaking and you 
when they speak, you can start to feel their pain. Right. Um, right. But if you don't hear them, you're not aware of the pain. You're not aware of the things that trigger them. And for some, why George Floyd is so in our minds right now, and it does seem encouraging that this may be creating a difference. But for some of them, they've seen this over and over again. They've seen black men killed. They've seen a, a societal response only to drift away in a year uh, and maybe less. And the reality is this is not the first time they've seen a black man killed. Uh, This is a a common experience uh, for them to see and, and to feel. Um, And I think it's like, well, we are all feeling it right now, but will we feel this in three months in six months in a year? And will it make a difference this time? Right. This does seem to be different. It seems to be capturing America in a different way. Right. Um, I can only akin it back to maybe the sixties when, and when all of a sudden the civil rights movement did grab the attention, uh, of Americans and white America, um, right. and where some change did begin to happen and cha- certainly change has happened. So this may be one of those moments in history where, you know, this is going to produce change. Um, mm-hmm. and there's going to be more uh, justice and fair treatment under the law. And we can hope and pray for that. But I, I would understand even the fear of, from our, our black brothers and sisters in the black community of, well, is this going to be a flash in the pan? Right, uh, we're, all, right. we're all really worked up right now, but what's going to happen long term? Will we feel these things over time and will ha- change happen over time? Otherwise, this just becomes another hurtful moment. Right, um, right. Doesn't produce real empathy or real change. Right. Uh, I mean, my, my hope is that obviously it does. And, and I think we okay. both, uh, as pastors, we understand that ultimately real change begins with the gospel. Yep. Um, it, it doesn't begin with, uh, with political change, although nope. that can be helpful. That's mm-hmm. not the solution, you know, because mm-hmm. it has no power to change men's heart. Um, and it's, it's something that we're, we're praying about. I know that you've been doing a, a really good job of leading us as a team. Uh, and thinking long and hard about this um, and how we can be uh, grow in, in our diversity, you know, as a church as well. As a matter of fact, as a pastoral team, we, we've actually, um, we've, we've been discussing a, a little over a year, a paper that our brother Scott Ferris drafted for us mm-hmm. on this issue. I, the paper is titled Racial Reconciliation and Triage for the Church. Um, and so these are just three first steps, if you will, uh, for us as a church, um, and, and that these actions are, 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 these first steps are actions that we put into three categories, if you will. And, and one of the primary reasons, again, I want to review this uh, with our church is that for well over a year now, um, we really do recognize and desire um, our church and believe that our church should be ethnically diverse. Right. Um, not just by color, um, but ethnically diverse all over the place. Uh, and the reason that we believe that is because our church, we do believe, is, should, is to look like a microcosm of what heaven is actually going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the imagery that, that John, you know, portrays, you know, the revelator that he captures for us is people from every tribe, nation and tongue. Right. You know, worshiping together around the throne. Mm-hmm. The lamb who was slain, but who is alive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's what happens to be like, then there is to be a, a taste, if you will, of heaven. And that should be within the church as well. 
Um, right. So I do want to just maybe go over some of these things uh, with you and, and maybe you can share and, and, and we'll elaborate a little bit more on these. Um, I think that we'll probably only have time for the first category um, that we that we've developed in this. But um, if you could, some of the uh, maybe speak to this first category of racial reconciliation and triage for SGC Marlton. The first category um, <clears throat> that was in the paper was active bigotry and prejudice. Mm -hmm. And this would be of the grossest form what we just saw, um, mm -hmm. where there's active prejudice and bigotry. And, and that, that we can't, um, that we have to speak to and we have to speak to clearly. Um, right. That is right. wrong because it violates the nature of God, the created order. It violates redemption. Um, it violates everything in Scripture. So mm -hmm. anything that would speak of superiority uh, or mm -hmm. inferiority of one race over the other, uh, we've got to speak to that very clearly. Um, I think overt racism is not gone. Uh, it's probably mm -hmm. more subtle than it's, it was in the past, uh, but it doesn't mean it still doesn't function. And actually, I think we've seen some pictures <clears throat> where it still is functioning. Right. And those are, those are even more alarming. So. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Mm -hmm. So, so what would be um, our action steps, if you will, you know, of uh, active bigotry and prejudice? Well, I think we want to make the church first a safe place for people of, of color um, and different ethnic groups that they feel mm -hmm. welcomed. Um, and I think as we, if we ever see it, we have to address it. Right. So uh, if we see it on social media, we've got to address it. Right. Um, and again, sometimes people don't intend to do that, but they have to own the effects of that. Uh, so if you did something was hurtful, you need to own that it was hurtful. Um, right. So I think that's very important. So I think we have to, we have to discover it and address it where, where it is, um, which means we have to care for, care for people. We have to do uncomfortable things, which is address people uh, right. and correct people where necessary. So that we have to do um, when it's over, we, we can't allow that to go by. Um, right, right. I yeah, hope as a church, we don't have many instances of a, I mean, obviously, I would, I would obviously. be shocked and hor horrified if a white person moved their seat because a black person sitting, sitting, uh, sat next to them. That be, I, we've Correct. never had that as, as far as I know. Trust we won't. Correct. We would we would address that. Well, and just to be clear, I, I think our response to that action uh, would be both just anger, righteous anger, because that's yes. wrong. You know, that just simply is wrong. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, would be coupled with compassion and love to try to care for our brother and sister who is really honestly misled. You know, right. um, there there is a there's a reality. I, I read this book. Um, I, I, I guess it about a, a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit longer, um, titled Blind Spot. And it's by, written by two psychologists, not Christians or anything like that, but they're talking about the psychology of the mind of association and how we all make these unconscious associations that trigger our biases that exist mm -hmm. for all of us. Um, and so they were talking about all different uh, biases from gender to, to race to socioeconomic background and so forth. But how all these things play out in our minds to that there's just a knee jerk reaction and we don't even necessarily process that reaction 
Right. Uh, but there's a bias that already exists. Um, I, I do think that, that this is one of the <laughs> things that I think our church, um, if, if we can, I think that one of the ways that we can grow, and, and this will actually have some effect, is the way that we use social media, mm-hmm. um, the way that we think through it. Um, I think there is, uh, for Christians, there's this, there's this way in which we, and maybe you can ex, um, maybe answer this, as a Christian, do I have freedom to use social media any way that I choose? Uh, no. And let me say that very clearly. No, you might have a constitutional right of freedom of speech. We do not have a biblical right um, of just saying whatever's on the top of our heads. Um, we'll differentiate between that because I do think that that's something that can be lost, especially right now, because there is such a political polarizing effect that's going on right now. Um, and, and so help us tease, uh, tease that out, if you will. Yeah, the, the scriptures calls us to much higher ideals than does our Constitution. Um, even the right of freedom, you know, when you think about Jesus, he said, take up the cross. Right. So right. actually, it's forgo, it's forgo freedom and yeah. not express your freedom and liberty. Right. Uh, love good. is much higher standard than what right. is, you know, uh, what I might have permission to do constitutionally may fall well short of biblical standards of love, preferring the interests of someone else above my own. So yeah, our, you know, pursuit of happiness is a constitutional right. I'm not sure it's a biblical right. Uh, my biblical command and, and obligation is to pursue the interest of others and to think of them as more important than myself. Right. So I think when, we, when I think when we get into words, uh, Scripture is very clear. We're accountable for every word that comes from our mouth. Uh, every careless word, every hurtful word, every foolish word, every proud word, every arrogant word, we're accountable for words. So we really, in that way, we can't hide behind our constitution uh, in a way that mutes scriptural commands um, and God's word to us. And so I'm accountable for my words. I'm accountable for the impact of my words. Uh, This is where I'm accountable for my thoughtless words and my, you know, if I share harmful words. And I don't want to highlight freedom of speech in a way that mutes that responsibility. Right, right. Um, So when I come to social media, I I think for some, really the counsel would be before you post, maybe you should talk to someone personally about what you're going to post. And maybe maybe you talk to someone who's got a different perspective uh, of what you might post. Because you could, in one sense, post something you think is just your thoughts. It's just an expression of your own ideas. And yes, do you have the legal right to do so? Absolutely. Um, and I'm grateful for that legal right that we can share, you know, we have, because that way I can share uh, the gospel with people. And that's an exercise of free speech. Um, but I don't want free speech to mean I can be unthoughtful with words. So I think we should be considering our words and probably should have other people look at our words. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree, Warren. I think that's a great point because um, even Paul writes in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, everything is permissible, right. but not everything is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Everything is permissible, but not everything, and this is the key, builds up. Right. Um, so no one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I and, and truthfully, I, I find this for a, a small segment lacking. Mm-hmm. Right. Small segment in our church lacking. 
um, because it does seem like there is a, a desire to um, maybe to assert their rights, okay, in terms of expressing anything that they want. Or secondly, and, and, and this is a concern, mm-hmm. is a willing ignorance mm-hmm. um, of how what they post and what they post may affect or have an effect and uh, possibly even offend others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it is something that um, we, we jokingly talked about this uh, yesterday in our elders meeting, uh, but for some, it, it may be worthwhile just on this topic to actually have a social media timeout. Right. Um, and so <laughs> the, t- the timeout isn't punitive as much as to slow people down. Mm-hmm. And so the thought process being, Listen, before you post something, I think just reiterating what you said, you might want to get someone else's thoughts on this and maybe even ask the question, could this be offensive Mm -hmm. to you and Mm -hmm. help me understand why? Right. Um, So we we certainly don't want to dictate everything of what's shared, Um, but we do want to, as pastors, we want to call people to the higher privilege that Mm -hmm. we have which is to love others right. as God himself has loved us, correct? Yeah, and that's where it goes back to is, and again, on issues, people are going to fall on both sides of issues mm-hmm. on some things. Yep. Yep. And so even when we're hearing another side, <clears throat> are we hearing them thoughtfully? Um, and are we engaging them thoughtfully? And that can be very hard to do on social media because yep. you, that usually becomes a conversation. <laughs> Exactly. Otherwise, we're just speaking at one another, you know, the whole, you know, that whole thought. Uh, exactly. You know, talking to people, not with them. And, mm-hmm. well, are we really talking with them? Are we really seeking to understand them? So even a brother who may err in sharing something uh, racially insensitive right now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that needs to be confronted. But I may do that why in a more wise way if I did that privately and really mm-hmm. engage them and help them understand rather than, you know, a confrontation in a right. public forum. Right. Uh, and and again, generally speaking, public debate is just never helpful. Yeah. You know, and uh, it follows the biblical principle, right? Go to your brother privately. Right. Right. Um, right. Now, I think sometimes if there's sin publicly, you need to repent publicly. Uh, uh-huh. If you have sinned publicly, so there, is, there can be a public response. Um, you know, we see that in one sense, Drew Brees said, <laughs> Uh, right. The football player, he said some unthoughtful comments. Correct. Um, and I'll take him at his word that he didn't mean all those, but he did damage in those. And now he is repenting publicly. He, he already's put out one apology. He's now put out a second apology. Mm-hmm. Um, the sad thing is he can't undo the effect of the first words that he, he shared. Um, right. But he's trying to own that publicly. And I think, well, that's, that's probably the right step. Um, right. For him, I'm not commenting again on the issues that he's speaking about, but I am commenting to uh, he's in, he's recognizing his words were uh, hurtful, um, right, right, and that he sort of missed the point. This is where words matter, but exactly. we also we also have to hear beyond words. What's the hurt going on? Um, right. So can we understand that as well? Um, even we can use a right theology or maybe a right concept and misapply it. So when we hear something like Black Lives Matter and people 
you know, Christians have come back. So all lives matter. Right. Well, that is theologically true. All lives matter, right? From That's the a moment example. Of, from the moment of conception, that life matters yes. to the final breath someone has. That life matters right. to the right. the person in their final breath. That life matter uh, to the weakest among us. That life matters to the all lives matter. You're you're. I think at that point you're missing the point of what's being said. So right. yeah, words matter. But we have to also see intent behind words and hear the, hear the principle behind the words. Otherwise, we're going to become word police in an unhelpful way. Correct. Right. And, and, and we don't want to do that. We can get lost no. in that shuffle, if you will. Right. Um, right. So one of the things that I would, you know, I think you would, you'd agree that we would encourage uh, our church to do at, right now in terms of where we're at. And again, we're only touching, we're scratching the surface. On, on the paper and what we are trying to do. But we really do, the goal of all of this is to work to make our church safe mm-hmm. so that people of color feel heard yep. and loved. Yep. And so in that, I would say for anybody, any of our white brothers and sisters, if you will, if you've not spoken to anyone of color over the past two weeks about getting their feelings, getting their thoughts about this, we want to encourage you, go and ask. Right. Go and ask. Listen. Mm-hmm. And just the fact of you taking the time to go and approach them, you have no idea how the Lord can use that mm-hmm. in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as in your your own life. And I know, Warren, you, you've sought to do this. Tell us a little bit, and we're going to end the podcast here. Just give us a little bit of the story. What happened at Rita's the other day? Uh, yeah, it, and this is so small. It really is so small. I was just, Kim and I were coming home from um, one of my son's house, and we stopped at Rita's first to, to get some Rita's. And there was just a, a young a black couple there. And uh you know, I think God just put it in my heart. I just said, Hey, you know what? Could I buy, could I just buy your, your, your order here? Can I buy your, your water ice? And they were like, well, why? And I said, well, it's been a hard week. I said, there's not a lot I can do, but I can do this. And, and they, you could just tell they were affected. Mm-hmm. And so I, I waited as the order was you know, being prepared and I paid for it. And we just talked for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you doing? And, then I got right. to hear about their lives. I, I actually heard their love story. They were high school sweethearts and oh, that's a child and they've moved back to the area. And it was just a great conversation. And, um, and I thank them for that. And I've sort of determined to do that. If I'm in line with someone uh, who's black, if I'm at Wawa, I haven't been there yet. Um, but, but I'm there like, Lord, if I'm in line, I'm just going to offer the same thing. Can I just pay for your, can I just pay for your order here? And, right. and, um, just as an expression, a small, a very small expression of care. Right. Uh, I've been in a couple phone calls where we've asked, how are you doing? Mm. And you hear someone's story. Right. You, right. Will, you will tear up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I've heard it from people, they're not angry. Um, they're, not, they're, they're, they're Christians, and yet they, they tear up as they tell their stories and their backgrounds, how triggering it. They talk about their fears, uh, fears of will there be change or will this just be a, an isolated moment in time? Um, and it, it is so helpful to hear other people talk. Um, and that doesn't mean that that's the end of the game, you know, 
Um, right, right. And that we don't have things to process through, but to just to start with understanding. Right. Very helpful. Right. And, and, and there's a sensitivity in that, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that love really does command of us, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to mm-hmm. look out not only for our own interests, but for the interests of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I would say just for our, our white friends, um, myself included, um, all, every conversation that I've had over the past two weeks has been well received. Oh, yes. They've, they've thanked me profusely for asking. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and they've been great conversations. Some of them have been short. Some of them have been really long, you know, mm-hmm. over the phone. And uh, you know what? It, it doesn't matter how long it is. Right. You know, just the step of and the act of doing that. Um, and then we're, we are going to be talking about in future episodes, some of the ways in which we are called to put feet, you know, to this. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, for our listeners, please listen, please pursue. Um, again, we referenced uh, Ben Watson's book, um, under my skin, that may be a really good first step, you know, for mm-hmm. some, um, and we're going to be recommending some other resources. Um, but we would encourage you as a church, the goal is we really want to make our church a safe place where people of mm-hmm. color feel heard and especially are loved well. Yeah. And so church, this is gospel centeredness in action. Yeah. And we have a great opportunity to demonstrate the gospel right now. Absolutely. In a world that is distraught and confused, we can really offer, you know, Jesus Christ to them in a very profound way. Right, right. That can change for all eternity. So, mm-hmm. well, well, Warren, thank you. I, I apologize that uh, we don't have more time to speak uh, about more, but I really do appreciate the time that you've taken here. And uh, for church, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been Church Matters uh, podcast episode number 20. Hard to believe we've done 20 of these already. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, SGC. We love you. And until next week, have a great week.